Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Live from the camp. Uh-huh. This is Real Fans, Real Talk. Real Fans, Real Talk. We as real as you thought. Real Fans. Two, one. What's really good? And welcome back to another collaboration episode of The Sanchez Show and Real Fans, Real Talk. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend of Two Games. Got my main man with me, Anthony Jones, a.k.a. Trip Young in the building. Trip, you all smiles today, man. I know you're super excited. How you doing today? I'm doing good. And I'm just, I'm just, because, you know, we took we took a week off. You know, every, every once in a while we need a little break. But, I'm, you know, I'm excited and I'm just so ready to go in because I, you know, I hate when I, like, I, you know, have these, have debates online with, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, be negative about the person, but just you know, somebody that 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 don't got it all right up there, you know. So I'm I'm ready to go in. There's a couple of topics that I you know I got to flame a couple of people on, um. But I'm I'm, I'm excited, baby. Let's go. This this what happens when yeah, I take yeah. a week off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We took last week off, but you 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 can't allow some of these people to pull you down to their level. Trip, you better than that. You already know. I will say this: we got a lot of topics to get into. This might be the peak of the sports calendar year. We've got NFL. We've got NBA kicking off tomorrow night. We got Major League Baseball playoffs. We got a ton of boxing taking place. And then we had WNBA playoffs just wrap up yesterday. So we got a lot to get into. But first and foremost, let's kick off with week six of the NFL. Absolutely. A lot to get into. Monday night game about to go down, and I'm sure we're going to give our predictions on who we like tonight. Mm -hmm. But let's start with some of the bigger teams uh, from yesterday. You let me know who impressed you the most. The Chiefs look like they bounced back, but they got a lot of issues. The Rams, I hate to say it, against your Giants. The Rams look very good. The Cardinals look very good. And Dallas went into New England and had an impressive win. Which team stuck out the most to you from yesterday? Well, let me just say this in regards to the Giants. I'm not even mad at the Giants for getting their boot smoked the way they did because the Rams, you know, could possibly be the best team in the NFC right now. And I don't, I don't want to disrespect the Cardinals because I know they did beat the Rams um, to stop their undefeated streak. But – you know, I still got to give them a chance because coming off of an an energy filled big big matchup with the with the Buccaneers and winning that one, sometimes you can you can go out in a, in, a, in a tough division game the following week and things don't go your way. So they do play each other another time this season. So I kind of you know debate and I and I'll, I'll make my conclusion after they play the second uh, time versus each other. But if you want to talk about who impressed me this week. And I almost, when you asked me that question, I almost got excited and said, you know what, I need to go get up and switch my hat because it's definitely my Baltimore Ravens, man. L L Lamar Jackson um, and those guys, you know, going into that game, they were considered the underdog against the Chargers. I thought the game would be a hell of a lot closer than what we saw, but they jumped out the gate to an early 14 nothing lead, and at that point I knew it was over with. That like there was no doubt in my mind that the Ravens were were were, were gonna win that game from that point on. Um, you know, I was talking about this with my dad, and I said, you know, it's it's so crazy how these guys literally went through every running back on the roster to start the season off, picked up three guys who who, who have all had you know solid careers. Le'Veon Bell, uh, Latavius uh, Murray, and uh, Devonta Freeman have had pretty solid careers, but to just kind of throw these guys into the flame and you know they only they only you know missed the the, the record for most consecutive 100 yard rushing games by one game. They tied the record. Obviously, this past 
uh, week they you know, they didn't get. Oh, excuse me, last week uh, they didn't get it. But you know, Lamar Jackson had his virtuoso of a of a of a performance. His probably maybe his career uh, uh, performance. Uh, you know, in that in that game last week. But to come back this week and to see what the running game continues to do. Now they have uh, the, the rookie Rashad Bateman. He's back in the lineup. I'm liking this team a lot. Um, I'm still, I'm still got my fingers crossed that maybe we can bring in uh, Michael Thomas or something because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that they, they may want to work out some type of trade. Um, you know, so if if that is the case, I still would like Baltimore to put their, their, their hat in the ring on that one because, I mean, we're talking about Michael Thomas, who, who healthy is arguably top three wide receiver in football. You know. You might even want to push him closer to number one. I mean, he's had the 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 receptions that he's had the past three four years, the yardage, the touchdowns. You know, you you could you could put him at number one easily if if you wanted to. I wouldn't argue with you if if you did. So I would still like to see that. Uh, but you know, I, I was I was very impressed by by Baltimore and what they've been able to accomplish five and one. They could even be six and zero oh right now. You know, going back to that week one loss to to to, to Oakland. I mean, excuse me, to to Las Vegas to the Raiders. Oh, oh, habits die hard. Yeah, but oh, habits die hard. They could easily be be six and zero oh right now. So you know, starting this season off. So so David, they've impressed me probably the most. I was actually very happy for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for bouncing back because um, I still think they're a really good team. I just think that they they got a couple of uh, chinks in their armor that need to be fixed. But I do still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football right now. Oh, without a doubt, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. Um, I just think that the Chiefs are playing very sloppy right now, yes. which is a little shocking when you consider one they're a veteran-laden team, right? This isn't these guys have been together for quite some time. They they've been to the mountaintop, so you would expect them to be a little more focused. Also, veteran coaching staff as well, so you wouldn't expect to see the mistakes that we see. They consistently put the ball on the ground, whether it's fumbles or receivers just having to bounce off their hands and go for interceptions. It happened again yesterday to Tyree Kill. Um, Nicole Hardman had a bad fumble. They got a lot of uh, work to do. With all that being said, for as sloppy as they played, they still put up 31 points, and they probably could have put up 40 yesterday. Um, so Mahomes, without a doubt, is the best quarterback. But I will say Lamar Jackson is playing the best football of his career. You and I challenged him a few weeks ago, and not him in particular. We challenged the receivers. Yeah. We said the receivers had to be better so that we could see the best version of Lamar I think that's what we've seen since then. Mm -hmm. You know, yesterday to me was the most complete game the Ravens have played this year. I also thought yesterday's game was going to be close because the Chargers have been playing so well. And even though Lamar and the offense have been playing well, that Ravens defense had struggled. Last week, as you mentioned, the Colts moved the ball up and down the field on them. It happened, obviously, in the Kansas City game. It happened to them in the Detroit game. So they had a lot of games where they struggled defensively. But yesterday they put it together. The defense came together. The defense harassed Justin Herbert all game. That was the most complete game we've seen from Baltimore all year. And to highlight your point as well, all three of those new backs that were not there in preseason all scored a touchdown yesterday. Mm -hmm. So everyone got involved along with uh, Mark Andrews and Hollywood Great Brown game. in the passing game. game. So Baltimore is clicking on all cylinders. I truly think the sky's the limit for this team. It'll be interesting to see if Buffalo can win tonight to kind of keep pace because both those teams lost opening night and have been trending in the right direction ever since then. But when you look at the AFC, the West is going to be a dogfight all the way to the end. The Chargers just lost. Uh, Baltimore impressively has a win over Kansas City and uh, Chargers, who are the two teams vying for our West. The South, 
is a little iffy. The Colts look like they're getting themselves together. Tennessee's got a lot to prove. But right now, the number one seed is going to either be Baltimore or, or Buffalo. Yeah. And I think it's 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 highly important for both those teams because of their young quarterbacks, because of their lack of winning experience in the playoffs. Both those quarterbacks only have, you know, a handful of playoff victories. Lamar has one. Josh Allen has two. If you could make it where the path to go to the Super Bowl has to come through you, you make your road a little easier. And I think now we're starting to see those two teams separate themselves also in, in favor of Baltimore. The Browns, who not only took a tough loss yesterday to Arizona, but now the injuries are starting to pile up. They didn't have Nick Chubb yesterday. They just got Odell Beckham back two weeks ago. They didn't have Nick Chubb yesterday. They lose Kareem Hunt for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has hurt his shoulder for the second time in four weeks. It was in a sling. They said it was a separation, but he still played the rest of the game. They got to turn around on a short week right now. This division could get away from from everyone really quickly if Baltimore keeps playing this way. Baltimore could yeah. could possibly wrap up this division by early December. Yeah, I mean, you you know, I'm I'm happy about that. <laughs> I, I will have I will have no no complaints uh, whatsoever. But yeah, you know, it's it's tough losses for the Cleveland Browns, which is and that's the other reason why I'm so impressed with Baltimore and what they've been able to accomplish this season because they started the season with 12 starters on the injured list. The, the, the three running backs won't be won't be back for the season. They've been able to plug in those holes and fill things out. Marcus Peters, who's one of the top cornerbacks in this league, and and which is a big part of the Ravens secondary being the best secondary in, in in football right now. He was going for the start of the season. Jimmy Smith was going to start the season, so that secondary was was depleted. Um, but the fact that they've been able to overcome those all of those injuries and to start this season off five and one, and this is not a situation where you know we always have those teams that they might start the season off seven and zero, six and zero, but it, you know those 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 are, those are water weight victories. You know what I mean? And then they come back down to earth. This is not that. This is a a team that is is a playoff team. Um, they are they're on the cusp of being a Super Bowl team. Um, but this is this this could possibly be the year if they keep this up, like you said. You know, right now, I'm looking at them and I'm looking at Buffalo. Um, and, and you said it. You know, I'm looking at Buffalo tonight too to see if they can maintain. Uh, you know, Tennessee is is a very tough team to beat when they're healthy, and they they you know Julio was back, AJ Brown is back. Um, so this is going to be a tough Monday night football game for Buffalo, and I think this is a very important game for Buffalo because you want to keep pace, like you said, with the with the Ravens. The pressure is on right now because they've already played their game and won, and they've dominated too. That's the other thing in in that game. So I'm I'm looking not not just to see Buffalo scrape out a win in this situation. Show me that you're the best team in the AFC against another top team, another playoff team in the AFC. Show me how well you play against this team. You know, Derrick Henry is it's not an easy job to stop Derrick Henry. Um, you know, it, 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 it took a while for Baltimore to get over that hump being Derrick Henry. They finally got got past that in, in the playoffs um, this past season. I want to see what Buffalo does. But, you know, Buffalo is another complete team. Defense is, is clicking. Yeah. Offense is, is looking really well. Um, you know, so. I'm looking at those two teams right now as well, and I do I do think in a couple of weeks we're going to be back to talking about the Chiefs like we used to talking about them as well. And I think those yeah, are the like three teams in the AFC. Yeah, Chiefs aren't going anywhere. I just think that they're making it their road uh, to potentially a third Super Bowl much tougher now because it's it's no longer a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the division. Now they got to actually work on it 
to win the division. You got the Chargers at four and two. You got the Raiders at four and two. And we got to get into some John Gruden talk as well. But in terms of, like you said, Ravens and Buffalo, they're both completely in the driver's seat in their division with an opportunity to put it away very early. Because even though the Patriots have played well, they've had some tough losses. They're two and four. The Dolphins are a complete mess. I mean, we, we can get into that London game yesterday. I don't know what's going on with the Dolphins at this point, but they're one in five. And the Jets are, are one in four going into their, this was their bye week and they come back next week. So Buffalo has an opportunity to put the division in a complete headlock if they just take care of business tonight. And that's a good point, too, uh, that you made about against another playoff caliber team. Buffalo's riding high. They feel like they kind of got the monkey off their back beating Kansas City last week. Mm -hmm. Don't have a letdown now on primetime football. Come right back, make a statement, and let the rest of the AFC know that, hey, we might be the best team in the AFC and everything's got to come through us. Yep. In terms of Baltimore, as you mentioned, kudos to them because their schedule hasn't been easy either. No. We got to give credit. The Raiders, the Raiders are 4-2, and two, right? They had, the obviously, the game against Kansas City, game against uh, the Chargers, and they played a feisty Colts team that over the last three weeks, the Colts have looked better. And obviously, they had to come back to be able to beat the Colts. If not, the Colts would be on a three-game winning streak. So the Ravens, a lot of a lot of credit due to them. I'm, I, I want to just go through the next couple of games for the Ravens for you. I had to look it up because they could get a little fat on the, on the schedule here. They got a pesky Bengals team, which I think that's going to be a good game. Bengals look good. But then after that, they get a Minnesota team that I think they should handle. They get the Dolphins that are a complete mess. They get that inexperienced Bears team. And then they get the Browns who we don't know what they're going to look like at that point four weeks from now, again, with the injuries. Kareem Hunt probably won't be back. Nick Chubb should be back by then, but we don't know what's going on with Baker. Long story short, if you're the Ravens, if you handle your business and win three out of them four games, now you're sitting at eight and two going into the home stretch of the, to the you know end of the season. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, um, you know, those those four four games, there's there's a really good chance that that the Ravens come out of that at nine and one, because I I think I think I mean they're I, they're better than Cincinnati. You know, division games are always tough, but they're better than Cincinnati, and I, and I think they'll, they'll they'll beat them. I mean, Miami, nothing going on right there. We you know we they just they just lost to the Jaguars. <laughs> I mean, well, let's get into that since we're talking about it, right? Because you and I agree. I think we we both think Baltimore. Could easily go three and one, four and zero in that yes. next four game stretch. The Dolphins, they won an opening day. They went into New England. They they won a close game, and it was one of those games. I think that all of a sudden, okay, maybe maybe Miami's building on what they did last year. Remember, they won ten games last year, yeah. but they just missed making the playoffs because they lost in Week Seventeen. Since then, their offense has been terrible. Uh, they can't beat anybody. They've been blown out a couple times. Then they had the lead yesterday on a Jacksonville team that, by all accounts, you would think they're looking to quit. I mean, they got they got their own issues with their head coach. Yep. Somehow Jacksonville comes back and beats you. Trevor Lawrence gets his first win. Tua Tagovailoa continues to struggle. Are we getting closer to a potential Deshaun Watson trade to Miami? Well, first of all, you know, I, I would hope the, the Giants make that move first before Miami does. But that's just what for Oh, don't tell me you're giving up on Danny Dimes already. I'm I, listen, man. I'm about to give up on the Giants this season altogether because it's just you, you, it's, it's going from bad to worse. Going from Danny Dimes to Danny Dollar Store. Yeah, yeah, man. He out there. He's just get him out of there. <laughs> get him out of there. I'm tired of him already. Um, but yeah, man. My Miami, you know, is they're just not looking good, and I hate it because you know Brian Flores is out there. You know, we ain't got too many <laughs> black coaches. 
uh, in this league right now, and you know they 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 be quick to get rid of the black coaches once things don't go well. Especially if you talk about if you're going from a ten win borderline playoff season to now, you know it's looking like you guys are gonna be you know in in, in that top five when when the draft comes back around next year. That can be you know that's that's kind of tough, but you know guys aren't aren't playing. They they aren't living up to you know. To a struggle that, like you mentioned, and, and if the if the head of the, the the horse is struggling, everybody else is not on the offensive side of the football. Is not going to be able to get the act together. Miles Gaskins uh, was horrible uh, against against Jacksonville. You know, and if the running game can't get going, we're not going to be able to get the passing game going. If the passing game can't go, the running game ain't going to be be able to open up. And and if the quarterback is not doing his job, none of this thing is going to click. The defense has has been horrible. Uh, you know, pretty much the entire season. Outside of probably game one, they've been absolutely horrible. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know how they can fix the situation outside of a Deshaun Watson trade. That you know, they they're going to have to to do something drastic to turn this thing around. And not only are you gonna have to do something drastic to turn this thing around, but you're gonna have to do something drastic and fast if you expect to save this season. Because you know, as you as you mentioned. Buffalo's looking to, to to run away run away with this thing, and if they beat the the Titans tonight on Monday Night Football, you might as well sign, seal, deliver the division to Buffalo right now because you know obviously we saw the Patriots take a tough uh, loss, actually it's two tough losses in back to back weeks. I like what I'm seeing from them, but you know again you're losing games. Buffalo's winning games. Miami's losing games. The Jets are absolutely abysmal right now. And so it's 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 pretty much a one team show in in the AFC East, and it's it's all Buffalo. So I don't know what Miami does outside of calling Deshaun Watson, calling the Texans tonight while this game is going on. Once if, if Buffalo go up two touchdowns, you better be on the phone with the Texans right now, trying to figure out what it's going to take to get Deshaun Watson into Miami. Yeah, uh, Miami's in a in a very tough spot, man. I think. I don't know if Deshaun answers all their their prayers or, or fixes all their problems, but they got to do something at the quarterback position. That's that's very apparent. Um, the running game is bad. They've got a great young weapon in, in Jalen Waddell, but they don't have much else around them. So they got to figure this thing out quick. I think if you're Brian Flores, you might be you might might be on a on a hot seat. And and I hate to say that because he has coached well his first two seasons there. But the expectations and, and the bar for those expectations was raised last year when you won 10 games. So you can't come out and go one and five. And then not only go one and five, but get embarrassed in a lot of these games. I mean, Buffalo blew you out. Um, the Colts blew you out. You went a stretch there. I think they, through their first three games of the season, they had only scored 23 points. And, and, and most of that was in the win over New England where they scored 17. So, you know, they were really bad offensively. And then to lose to the Jaguars – it's it's just a very tough pill to swallow. They got to figure some things out very quickly. Maybe it is Deshaun. Maybe they play it out and wait to see what Aaron Rodgers decides to do this offseason. Maybe they try to address it through the draft. But either way, I don't think Tua is the answer. And I think Brian Flores is going to have to move on from Tua if he wants to save his job in Miami, man. Um, I know we want to get into some John Gruden talk. We're going to get into it in a second. Just a couple of other uh, tidbits from week six. Uh, the Cardinals made a trade. They had lost their tight end, Max Williams, to an injury. So they made a trade and picked up veteran Zach Ertz from the Eagles. I like the move. How do you feel about a trip? I love it for the Cardinals. I hate it for the Eagles. Um, I didn't understand the move for you know from Philadelphia. I mean, you they got a fifth round pick 
and they got a quarterback, a, 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 another quarterback um, in the trade. I'm, I was confused by it, especially after seeing, you know, uh, Zach Ertz and and, and Jalen Hurts look like they were building a little bit of a chemistry there. They were, you know, those two, you know, they they had a little something going there. So I was confused by it. You know, I'm not an Eagles fan in the slightest, so it doesn't. It didn't really bother me. I was like, okay, that just sounds like another dumb move the Eagles are making. But if you're if you're Arizona, you get a really solid, you know, can be all pro caliber tight end to go with a, a very hot offense. Um, you know, Kyler Murray is is having an MVPs season. You know, and then you know you got you got you know D Hop out there. You know, you got A.J. Green out there. You got a lot of uh, weapons. Kirk is out there as well. I think this is a great move for for, for Arizona, and I think it's going to be a huge plus for them moving forward, having a reliable safety net tight end um, in, in, in that lineup. Yeah, for, for the Eagles, I'll start there. Um, Dallas Goddard has taken over the, the starting tight end spot. He's been their guy. So I, I get why they wanted to move on from Zach. I just don't understand why they're moving on from him now. This is a move that could have been made in the offseason. Um, and we we criticized the Eagles several times in the way they've handled Jalen Hurts and, and their whole offseason. This is another example of that. I think Zach Hurts is a leader and a captain on that team, a locker room presence. Mm-hmm. You don't trade him in the middle of the season. That's I think that's a move you make early in, in training camp. And you give him the opportunity to go somewhere where you know he can contend as opposed to having him play four meaningless games with you and then try to ship him out somewhere else where he's got to try to learn a playbook. In terms of Arizona, though, I like the move. Uh, he isn't the production guy that he once was, but he's still a very good tight end. And as you mentioned, with those other weapons, he gets an opportunity now to just go up against linebackers and one-on-one coverage and be a very good safety net for Kyler on third down. You know, a guy that you can rely on on shorter routes that can make the play and get you a first down. So I like the move there for him. Kudos to him because he's going to play on a team who 6-0 right now, best record in the NFL, <coughs> best record obviously in the NFC. They have an opportunity to do something special to year, and he could be a part of that. Um we got some other some other uh, news for this week as well. Lane Johnson from the Eagles, he's returning after a two-week hiatus. He had to address some mental health, so we hope all is well with him as well. Definitely. And Lamar Jackson is getting his jersey retired at the University of Louisville. He's only the second quarterback, right, to do it aside from Johnny Unitas. Yep. Love it. So yes. it's all, yes. every, everything, is, everything, everything is coming up roses for Lamar right now. Mm-hmm. Keep it going, baby. Yes, sir. Now let's get into some John Gruden talk before we transition because I know both of us have a lot of opinions on this saga. Just to give the listeners some background, last week, not this past Friday, but last Friday, we heard the initial news that there were some racist and derogatory comments made by John Gruden in an email um, where he was speaking ill of Demora Smith, who's the executive director of the Players Association. At the time, John Gruden gave us a half-assed apology and explanation as to why he used the term that he used then we find out later in the week, after he coached, at, later in the weekend, I should say, after he coached on Sunday, that there were more than 6,000 emails over a seven-year span um, with not only racist remarks, but misogynistic remarks, gay slander and slurs, a lot of homophobic language. Ultimately, the Raiders, from what we heard, were moving on from him, but then it was released that he's resigning so he would not be a distraction to the team, which ultimately allows him to get the rest of his money. He was owed about $40 million from the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to digest here, Trip. And you said but give me your thoughts. they were going to give him, find a way to give him that money. You, you did say that. 
<laughs> yeah, we well, we knew we knew they were going to find a way. Um, let trip. Let me know if you want to start from the beginning, how you were feeling when you first heard the comments or where, where you want to pick it up from. But again, there's a lot to digest here. OK, let me let me let me start with this. And I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to quote uh, the, the, the great battle rapper DNA. His uh, his his catch uh, phrase, his catch slogan. I can't say the whole thing because we we on TV, but I'll I'll break it down enough for you guys to get the point. And in, in regards to, to to John Gruden and how I feel about him, get him the f out of here. No, get that racist, homophobic, sexist slander the f out of here. I need all of that out of here right now. I'm so glad that that this came to light because I'm tired of these in the closet. Racist, sexist, homophobic men in sports that are taking away positions from qualified women, qualified minorities. Uh, you, you know, it, it's sickening. And he ain't the only one. You can believe that. John Gruden is not the only one. He's the only one that got caught right now, but he ain't alone. And I said this, you know, shout out to Sean Fontaine and you know and I and I'll shooting the shit family, but I said this on the podcast as well. John Gruden is not the only person that should be up out of here. If there's anyone else that is in a, an NFL organization that was going back and forth in those email threads as well, and they're still ha they still have jobs right now, they need to be out of here too because guess what? I don't even want to hear that, oh, I'm not like that because it's just John Gruden is like that. Because if you are condoning his actions and by not speaking out, you are condoning his actions, you are just as much of the problem as he is. You share that same mentality that he does. And not only does he need to be gone, you need to be gone. He shouldn't even be getting paid. We shouldn't even be talking about, are they going to figure out some kind of settlement to, to get him the rest of that $40 million? That's a bunch of bull crap. And I'm, 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 I'm sick of it. Uh, you know his his buddy is still is still coaching with the you know with the with the uh, the Raiders right now, which to me is mind boggling in itself because you can't sit up here and tell me that you didn't know John Gruden was like this. I, I'm I, I can't. I'm so sick of the. Oh no, it's just this guy. It's just this guy. It's just this. No, bro. You. I can tell you right now. I've 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 known I've known you, Eric, for what, maybe what five six years now. I tell you, six years, yep. when you're around your friends and you're around people like that, you know who these people are. You know your good friends. You know your bad friends. You know your friends. You know that that they, they may say some some wild stuff when you go out. You you know you know your your friends that got their whole act together. But you know these things. I don't want to hear that you've been a, a friend of this person for all of these years and you didn't know that this is the way he was. I'm sorry, but I am glad. You know, Eric, I, I, I told you I, I wasn't rocking with him from when he stole Tony Dungy's ring down in Tampa Bay because that should have been Tony Dungy's first damn Super Bowl ring in Tampa Bay. And since then, I have not ever really rocked with John Gruden like that. And now I feel validated in my reasoning because all of this stuff came out. And, again, I'm glad it came out. I'm glad he's going. I hope he doesn't ever get back into the NFL because I don't think he's changing. He wouldn't. He, we wouldn't even be talking about it if the, if if the whole investigation with the Washington Football Team wasn't going on. He would have continued to to go on and collect checks from the NFL and internally. This is who he he really is, and we found out about it. And I'm glad we did. Goodbye. See you. Sayonara, sucker. Yes, sorry. sir. I had to get that uh, out of my system, Eric. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's cool. I 1,000 percent agree with you because. There, again, there, there's a lot of things that go with this, uh, and it's not just the emails. The, like you said, the first part is the coaching staff staying. 
right? Like you guys were around him every day, probably putting in 12 hour, 15 hour days together. You knew who this man was. Yep. Let's let's be honest. Also, one of the things that um, wasn't discussed, and I found this out through some other research, his son, who's on the coaching staff as a strength and conditioning coach, is still there, which to me, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little odd because it's like, all right, so you don't really rock with your father like that? Because you would think you would just step away too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold, on, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You going, so you're going to tell me you didn't know your dad was a racist homophobic misogynistic piece of crap you that's, you didn't know that's what your father was that's that's exactly what i was getting to because i'm like either you don't rock with your dad so much that you never saw this behavior right that your relationship is so bad that you never saw this behavior which i find hard to believe because obviously he got you a job with the organization yeah he didn't get you a job on the right. other team you with him right he got you a job with him Right. And I'm sure you're probably one of the highest paid strength and conditioning coaches in the NFL because your dad was one of the highest paid coaches. Um, but then your dad gets fired. And so are you going to walk around the facility and pretend I never saw this? I that's that's not the father who raised me. You know what I'm saying? So sure? it, it's all bull. Um, I want to I want to say this, too. And, and I got to give credit to the man who I heard it from, because from what I hear, there is much more coming out from this. Shout out to Peter Schrager, who works on the NFL Network. I was listening to something. He was a part of a panel. And he said that this is just the tip of the iceberg, mm. that there is a lot more coming out to your point, trip. It wasn't just John Gruden. There were others in front offices, other head coaches, other owners who shared these same type of mindsets and, and words and, and expressed these things through email. That's why they're still combing through over 600,000 emails, because there is much more to come on this. There are rumors that the Washington football team is going to come out of this very messy. Mm -hmm. That's from what I'm hearing. Oh, and we knew, That's we knew that Washington... from, from when it first well, went down. The, we knew the, some stuff was going to come out. Right. And the Washington football team was already in hot water yep. from all the sexual assault allegations and sexual misconduct that we heard about in the summertime. You know, them trying to prostitute out cheerleaders and all that good stuff. So we knew they were in trouble. But it's it's it should not be viewed as ironic that... The Washington football team tried to make this past weekend Sean Taylor retirement number day. And it was a last minute thing at that because they announced that in the middle of the week. That wasn't something that was, that was planned, planned out ahead exactly. of time. I'm down here in the area. I know some some football team fans who said we didn't know about it until there was an email blast sent out on Wednesday yeah. that they were doing that. You know what I'm saying? Which you and I both know as as avid fans of our teams. When they retire a number, you know about that before the season even starts. Yeah. They highlighted on the calendar. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So the Washington football team did that as a way to try to gloss over what's going on and I think try to cushion a blow for the news that's going to be coming out this week. There's supposed to be some big news coming out this week in, in regards to the Washington football team that we're going to have to get into when it actually happens. Yeah. But John Gruden, there's no place for him in football at all. I don't want to see him on a network. I don't want to see him analyzing the game, talking about the game, none of those things. None of those things. You have no place in the workplace, in this workplace in particular, I'm I'm a little disappointed in guys like Tony Dungy, who I really respect, and I like Tony Dungy a lot, and Mike Tirico, but those guys immediately went to his defense when the initial news came out. Yeah. When the news came out that Friday, and, and Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico were part of the Sunday telecast, Sunday night, they were in defense of him and said, this is the guy I know, I've never seen this side of John Gruden. And I, I, I thought it was premature because it was like, all right, you guys may have worked with him from a distance. Let's hear everything that comes out first. Let's not start defending this guy as if this isn't him. Because guess what? 
seven years worth of email. That's you, bro. You, ain't no, ain't, ain't no lapse in judgment over what? seven years. Exactly. <laughs> that's what? you. Excuse me. So yeah, so so I that was the one thing I felt like just let's not. If you worked with him from a distance, just, just say, hey, look, you know, we we had a kind of a relationship in passing. I don't know him that well, but they went to defense for him, and they were quick to say, you know, we should move on. These emails were ten years ago. It don't matter how long ago they were. When yeah. you make them type of comments, that first comment about Demora Smith was disgusting. I and then the, here's some of the other things that was said. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Hart, you know, lost his opportunity to host the Oscars because of a tweet that he made from 10, 10 plus years ago. So yeah. let's keep it let's keep it straight across the board. Let's let's keep it straight across the board. Uh John again, John Gruden has no place in the NFL. I'm glad that all of this has come out now. I think also kudos to Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers, who made a great statement where he said, being a head coach is more than just X's and O's. We have to earn the respect of these guys in our locker room. And there's no place in our game for those type of comments and that type of thinking. Like he said, I, I expect these guys to, to go through a wall for me and, and to come every day prepared to work. And in turn, I've got to show them that they can trust me enough and that they can respect who I am as a man. John Gruden broke that code with the things that he was saying in these emails. So it's it's a it's a lot to digest. I don't know how the Raiders move forward, to be honest. Yeah, they won yesterday, but I still think this will linger in their locker room. I mean, we can't forget they have an openly gay player on their on their roster. Yeah, call call on the save. Yeah, so he, he actually requested um a, a day off. Time off. Uh, yeah, he he took a day off, I think, on Friday yeah. leading up to the game. So, you know, that's just one player that we know it directly affects. But there are a lot of young black men of, in that locker room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Black who, men, in, you know, is in, in that organization. Period. Right. So, you know, there, there are a lot of people there who had interactions with them who I'm sure were very upset to find out that this is who you truly were. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I'm happy that the emails came out because the quicker we know, the quicker we can get you up out of there. Exactly. Maybe now uh, our guy down uh, in, in uh, Kansas City, uh, Brian, uh, I mean, uh, Eric, Eric B. Enemy, uh, can, can get a, a head coaching job that he's deserved. Uh, for the, over the past couple of years, since he he has produced an MVP and had a Super Bowl offense, uh, the past uh, two years, two you know the past two seasons. So you know maybe maybe it's about time we can get somebody else up in in those those positions. Since Gruden is out of there, I do think you know I mean clearly you know I would say his son got to go too, but you know. He's, he wasn't in the email. If he wasn't in the emails, I know they they're not they're not gonna just up and and get rid of him. But you know, as as you mentioned, you know, Eric, there's no there's no way that my father this is this is who he is, and I don't know about it. I wasn't raised yeah. a certain way. I I didn't I never heard, and that's and again that's what, which is why you know when you when you talk about your disappointment with Tony Dungy, I feel you when I see when I see all of these these black players. Coming in to speak up on on this man's behalf after hearing the stuff that he's saying, I'm just, I'm completely disappointed in you guys. Like I am right. so disappointed that you you are still jumping to this man's defense. I get it. You know maybe when you know he came to you know to to Tampa when he when he got to Oakland he he has a good rapport. I mean he is the, he's the the, the QB uh uh you know guru coach or whatever. So yeah, you know you might not have seen that in, in practice but you can't just jump automatically and say this is not who he is because how many barbecues did you go to at his house? How many times did you did your family go on vacation with his family? 
because that's when you really get to know somebody. You don't you don't know your coach. If you if you if you don't hang out with that man outside of of practice in, in game time, if you don't hang out with his family, you can't sit up here and tell me that you know this man. You know the work the work coach. Where everybody everybody knows the difference between the work you and the home you. And that's yeah. one thing that 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 people tend to forget. Just because oh, you know, I know this guy for so long. We've worked together for ten years. <coughs> Excuse me. I've never seen anything like this. Okay, but tell me when you at work and when you at home, tell me what's the difference in what you do at work and what you do at home. Because I'm pretty sure I ain't the only one. I know how to act when I go to work. I know how to act when I go to church. I know how to act if I got to go to court. And it's not necessarily the same way I act. You know, we don't speak the same way as we do when it's just us hanging out, as we right. do when we out in, 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 at different various professional settings. So if you have not been with this man outside of anything football-related, then you can't tell me that you know this man so well and he's such a great person because you don't know that. You can't say that because, again, we have two different versions of ourselves. Everybody got split personalities. They got the work you and they got the home you. That's just what it is. Yeah. To me, my disappointment comes from, like you said, the defense of John Gruden after his BS apology. Yeah. Right. So when you heard about the emails, if it shocked you and you say, man, that's not the guy I, I thought I knew. OK, but once you heard his apology and you're still trying to defend him, that's where I have a problem with it, because now. We heard the, we saw the comments and then you're trying to justify him by saying, well, that's, I, I use the term rubber lips as a way to call out somebody from lying. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. What? <laughs> like, first you, of all, who is this? You said this man's lips look like Michelin tires. We know what you were what you were insinuating about Demora Smith. Exactly. You were not. You were not. I had nothing to do with lying or you thinking he was lying. And if that is a term that you use when you think someone's lying, show me the other emails where you use that same terminology. Because there should be plenty of emails where you've been calling people rubber lips for your whole life. If that's what you really use. So miss me with all that nonsense. Um, and and in terms of the emails too, I want to know how much Mark Davis knew. Because Mark Davis went out his way to rehire John Gruden. Mm-hmm. So Mark Davis is a guy who has known John Gruden for 20 some odd years from his first stint with the Raiders under his dad's ownership group. How much did you know? Because if you openly. It's the good if, old boys club. Right. And that's my point. If you knew this and you still hired this man, then there should be some penalty for you as well. If, if the NFL was truly trying to sweep this out of the game and say, look, this is not who we are. We want to be better moving forward. Then show me you want to be better and produce the emails. Just like Demora Smith said, show us the emails where every time a black head coaching candidate didn't get the job. I want to see how they were spoke about. Were they being judged purely off their performance as an assistant coach or offensive coordinator? Or were they being judged purely off the fact that their skin was a little darker than the other candidate who came in? Because let's not forget, just last year, we heard an assistant coach say he was told I'm not the right minority. Right, so I want to see what the emails look like moving forward as well. But you know, Eric, and, and it's and it's sickening. But you and I both know that there's a different set of rules, uh, depend depending on 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 who you are, and you know we know that because we literally sat here and watched. Well, we didn't see the tape, but there's a tape. <laughs> but of Robert Kraft getting a rubbing tug in an illegal establishment. 
And although he didn't have anything to do with the girls being there, he was utilizing the services of these girls that were there. And, and I'm pretty damn sure that this wasn't the first time that he's been to a place like this in his life. And guess what? Did it, did anything happen to Robert Kraft? I mean, that's that's one of many instances because I'm not going to pretend that our owner, Jim Ursay, just a few years ago, wasn't pulled over while drunk and on pain medication. Yeah. Right? Uh, we're not going to pretend that Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team, ain't in the headlines every every month for for something new, yeah. right? So as you mentioned, it's the good old boys club. But if you're Robert, if if you're Roger Goodell, you have an opportunity to kind of change the perception of the NFL. Yeah. And I'm not saying you got to force guys to leave ownership. Certain certain things don't require that drastic of a measure, right? But you should also be fair and say, look, Mark Davis, you knew some of these things was going on. Maybe we find you. Yeah, maybe we just maybe we got we got to hold your feet to the fire a little bit. Right. We got to hold your feet to the fire a little bit, because if we expect everyone to start acting accordingly moving forward, we just can't pretend that these things didn't happen. Again, Mark Davis went out of his way to recruit John Gruden, who was doing television. He went out of his way. It wasn't like John Gruden was on somebody's sideline. John Gruden had been out of football for damn near 12 years. Yep. You went out your way to get this man. You have a relationship with this man. There's no way you can tell me that in the 20 years that you were around him and exchanged emails with him, you never once saw a glimmer of this type of behavior from him. Now, you can't, you can't tell me that. And you, 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 you made a great point uh, on the podcast as well uh, when you spoke about you know wanting to know if there were any emails floating around in regards to the purchasing of the Carolina Panthers because we know that Diddy had a group together that you know pretty I'm pretty sure they had the, they had the money to to make the sale to to make the purchase rather and and that didn't happen and we saw that so you know you made a great point I would like to see that uh as well um so you know they they have the NFL does have an opportunity to I guess put the backing behind the, the the changes that they're supposedly making, you know, um, we we know we know the NBA, you know, if you know we catch something like this going on in the NBA, we know that owner is is, is going to get up out of here because we've seen that, and that was Donald Sterling. I mean, how many years ago was that? Now we were talking about. Are we talking about ten years now? How many years has it been since Donald Sterling was kicked out of the league? Five, it's, five, it's, six, at least five nah, years, we, right? We're, we, I think we're a little more than that because that was right before the Golden State Dynasty. So we're, we're probably at about seven, eight years since the Donald Sterling uh, fiasco and all right. that came out. They, exactly. So, you know, to, I mean, and we always talk about the NBA being ahead of the curve, but now you have an opportunity because you got the situation going on in Washington. You know, you got the John Gruden situation in, in, in with the Raiders. And again, this is someone, this is an owner who's known this man for 20 years. I want to see what's going on there. Let's 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 see. Let's let's bring everything out, put it all on the table, and let's figure out where we go from here. That's all I want. Yes, yes, sir. I agree. Let's uh, move on to some NBA talk because the oh. season does kick off tomorrow. Really quick, um, Thursday night football picks. Uh, Denver is going to to Cleveland. We, you just you mentioned earlier. Um, Kareem Hunt is out. Hopefully, Nick Chubb will be back. Uh, Jarvis Landry is already out, and Baker Mayfield is 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 hurt as well. Who are you taking in that game? It is still a home game for Cleveland, um, but who who are you taking? 
I do like Cleveland, but if if they're going to be missing both their starting running backs and their quarterback, I got to go with Denver. Denver's defense is still pretty good, and I think they get Jerry Judy back this week as well. So their offense should get a little boost. Just because of the injuries, I'm going to go with Denver in this one. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of leaning towards Denver as well. Again, if it wasn't, for, if if the injuries weren't a factor, I, I think Cleveland wins this at home easily. Um, but I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it'll be a close game. But I think Denver pulls it out, especially if there's no running game in in Cleveland going into next week's uh, Thursday night matchup. Yeah, I agree. Oh, this week's um, Thursday night matchup, brother. Yeah, let, let's let's get into some NBA because the season kicks off tomorrow. We got two great matchups. Uh, the Bucks start off their their championship reign uh, against the Nets, and then the Lakers and Warriors go at it. But all this right now is being overshadowed by Kyrie Irving. He is, as of right now, away from the Nets completely. He will not participate in any team activities unless he gets vaccinated. Obviously, he went on live last week to say he's not retiring and that he's doing this to be a voice for the voiceless, those who are losing their jobs due to uh, vaccine mandates. Uh, Adam Silver came out today and said, this is not a league issue. This is an issue between Kyrie Irving and New York City because of the mandates in New York. And Kyrie is the only player that right now is slated to miss time due to being unvaccinated. What do we make of a trip? Because again, it, we're, we have all the makings of a great NBA season ahead of us, but we're still focused on Kyrie Irving. Let me let me let me start off by saying this, and and I'm actually I'm I'm glad uh, that Adam Silver actually came out and made that statement for you knuckleheads out there that think this is the NBA putting a target on Kyrie's back and they want to make an example out of Kyrie and woe is me. I, like miss me with that nonsense. Okay, miss me with that nonsense. This ain't got nothing to do with the NBA. The NBA does not have power over New York City. They do not have power over New York State. The NBA can make a lot of things happen, but they can't tell New York City, they cannot tell New York State to stop having the the, the vaccine mandate. I'm sorry for all of you people that, that really are trying to push this narrative that the NBA is targeting Kyrie Irving. They are not. They have nothing to do with the mandate that has been placed on New York City. Okay, you cannot go to a gym, you cannot go to a restaurant, you can't go to a damn book club in New York without being vaccinated. That has nothing to do with the NBA. They have not mandated their players to be vaccinated, and they do not make the decisions. I am sorry that Kyrie Irving cannot play home games in Brooklyn. Y'all know I support the Nets. I'm from Brooklyn. A thousand percent. I'm always going to support everything that comes out of Brooklyn. But there is no target on Kyrie Irving's back. New York has a vaccine mandate. You cannot get into the Barclays Center. You cannot get into Madison Square Garden if you are not vaccinated. That has absolutely nothing to do with the NBA. It has nothing to do with Adam Silver. It has nothing to do with the Brooklyn Nets. There is nothing that they can do in this situation outside of have Kyrie Irving change his stance and go get vaccinated. So I don't want to hear all of that BS or, oh, they just, it's because it's Kyrie and, and they want to make an example out of him. I'm, I'm so sick of it already. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense that you that y'all that you guys are talking. Y'all have to give it up and get over it. If, and listen, I, I like Kyrie. I'm a fan of Kyrie. I would love to see him out there because in reality, I'm the guy who wants to see the Lakers 
play Brooklyn in the finals healthy and go head up. I hate when when, uh-huh. when guys are missing key players and they got to go up against each other in the playoffs. I want to see that. So I would love for Kyrie Irving to play. But at the same time, I'm from New York. I'm from Brooklyn. I understand that we were ground zero for the COVID virus. I'm sorry. It is what it is. I film, you know, big shout out to, to, to Melba Wilson, who's the head of the, uh, the, 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 the Small Business Alliance here in, in in New York, I've seen over the past year how these businesses have been impacted by the coronavirus, how much money the city has lost. So I wasn't surprised when they made this kind of mandate because they want to get back to normal. We used to be in the top dogs as far as money goes in New York City. We are the, we are the earners. New York puts so much generates so much revenue for this country. It's not even funny. So yes, they want to get back to normal. They cannot do that. You know, if, if, if we are still worried about the coronavirus, and again, I am sorry, yes, it is very unfortunate that Kyrie just so happens to play for the Brooklyn Nets, a team where you have to be vaccinated to enter the arena. Let me just say this one last thing. Because, you know, for all, you know, even with the, oh, he, you know, the, being the voice in this and that, let's be clear, okay? If Kyrie Irving was still playing in Boston, if he was still playing in Cleveland, we would not even be having these conversations because it would not matter. Because no one is making a big deal about Jonathan Isaac down in Orlando. You know, and, 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 and yeah, that was one of the things that, you know, I'm going back and forth with some people. Oh, who see? I don't know him like that. Well, guess what? Bradley Bill's a superstar. Do you know him? Because he's definitely a superstar in this league. He's not vaccinated. But where does he play? For the Washington Wizards, a team that does not have a mandate on vaccines in order for you to enter any place of business in that city. So it's not a big deal. And it would not be a big deal if Kyrie Irving did not play for the Nets. It was, okay, we talk about it, but that's it. It was only a big deal for Kyrie and for Andrew Wiggins because they just so happened to play in the two cities that have those mandates. So uh, yeah, let's 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 get into that, man. Because uh, first of all, for you people who are saying this is some sort of conspiracy against Kyrie Irving, you are completely misinformed. The NBA, the NBA informed the Players Association of all of this news back in June, because at that point, like you mentioned, New York City, along with some other states and other cities and states, were starting to bring down mandates. Onto uh, into the arenas of how can I actually get people into the arena? And if you don't believe me, look back because for the Knicks and Nets playoff game, all fans had to be vaccinated to go in. That was the beginning stages of the city putting the mandate on everyone who went in. Also, do your research, go back because we've talked about it. The footage is here, it's on tape. The NBA came down and said, all referees need to be vaccinated to enter an arena. Right. So the NBA was working with these cities to try to make sure that everyone was in agreement with how they could move forward. This has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has known for months that he either needed to be vaccinated to play or he may not be able to play. And in those months, instead of getting his vaccination, he tried to find exemptions why he could play without getting a vaccination. That time has run out. He has no exception exemptions. He has no other way. So now he's deciding not to play. To your other point, and this is why we know it's not a conspiracy against Kyrie, there are other players in the NBA who aren't vaccinated who will get to play. However, as you mentioned, they don't play in cities that have mandates that require them to have the vaccination. Jonathan Isaac, Bradley Bill, the most notable two. So 
all this is is about purely what Kyrie wants and how he feels comfortable moving forward with his life. And that's fine. I completely respect Kyrie Irving. If he does not want to get a vaccination, I completely respect it and I get it. But let's cut out the nonsense. This is not a conspiracy theory. This has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. This more is, is, is about business. And don't fool yourself, people. Kyrie Irving, one, is not the face of the NBA. The NBA can move on without him if he decides to never dribble the basketball again. Kyrie Irving is not bigger than the game of basketball. All right? Did, did the NBA not survive when Michael Jordan retired? I think they did. Right. All right. So there will always be other stars, and Kyrie isn't even the biggest star in his current era. He's not even the biggest star on his team. So the league in no way – I mean, let's call it what it is. The, why, why would the league conspire to keep Kyrie Irving from playing? Exactly. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. That, right. Which is why I'm now, confused. for the Kyrie supporters – Right now. And, and when I say that, I don't want to make it seem like we're bashers because we have been very um, we've been we've been very we, we've shown a lot of praise to Kyrie Irving in terms of all the community work he does. So don't ever get that twisted. We have never criticized who he is as a man, because as a man, he's been a stand up dude. Always shown that. Facts. But as a player. Didn't Kyrie Irving take a week off last week to celebrate his birthday? Didn't Kyrie Irving take. Didn't he take time off and then not alert the team that he was taking time off because he wanted a break from the game? Facts. And for you that think this is a conspiracy, look back. One of the reasons the Nets made the trade for Kyrie, I mean, for, for James Harden, was because Kyrie Irving went AWOL and they didn't know when he was going to come back. If you look back at when they actually traded for James Harden, yeah. Kyrie Irving wasn't with the team. Yeah. So they had to make a trade in case he never returned. If you look back at all the newspaper clippings and things we talked about on this show, they weren't even sure if he was going to come back last year. Facts. So this has already been bubbling for Kyrie. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think Kyrie wants to play basketball anymore. And that's all right. He's made a lot of money. He is allowed to have other interests away from the game. And I think that's what it is. I think his work in the community is, is taking up more of his time. And I think that's where his passion is. And good for Kyrie. There's nothing wrong with that. We've seen other players walk away from the game at their peak. Ricky Williams walked away from the NFL because he felt it wasn't for him anymore. Yeah. Calvin Johnson walked away from the NFL. Andrew Luck walked away from the NFL because he Brown. felt it wasn't go for him. Go all the way back to Jim Brown. Definitely. Jim Brown, right. So he wouldn't be the first guy to walk away. He probably won't be the last guy to walk away. But let's cut out the, the nonsense. This is in no way, shape, or form a conspiracy. This is no one ganging up on Kyrie Irving. This is Kyrie Irving deciding that the mandates of the city don't fit his lifestyle. And that's okay. That's a-okay, bro. I, Let's just not make it about these other things that people want to make it about. Can I, can I say this, Eric? Because this was, this was one of the other uh, things that I, that I was you know, hearing and I had to go back and forth with. The, 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 the people that want to compare Kyrie Irving... To Muhammad Ali, and I'm just, I'm so, I see your face, Eric. I know, I know you're gonna go this. I'm just, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so disgusted. Do not compare Kyrie Irving to Muhammad Ali taking a stance against the draft and and, and going overseas to, to to fight in a war and risking his freedom for what Kyrie is doing right now. 
I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Like you said, like we give we give Kyrie his praise, you know, for everything that he's done off the court. All you know, not everything, but all the positive stuff that he's done off the court in the community, helping the WNBA, uh, George for George Floyd's family, those college students that he paid their tuition. We give Kyrie Irving his props when he is out here doing the right thing. But I cannot sit up here in good faith. And not make the, the, the distinction between Muhammad Ali and, and his stance against the war and the draft to what Kyrie Irving is doing right now. Because, again, if Kyrie Irving did not play for the Nets, are we even having this conversation right now? Is this even a talk? Probably not. We're probably not probably having this not. conversation, bro. Just because he, it wouldn't matter because he could still play. It's only a, a a conversation because he is in New York, and you know now you want to be the voice of the people, bro. You you ain't in the same situation as these people in because guess what? The well, people people in New York, they, if if they say they're not gonna get vaccinated and their job mandates to get them to get vaccinated, they're getting fired and they're going home with nothing. You yeah. it, it ain't the same for you. You still getting this is why. Million. This is why the comparison of Muhammad Ali is so off. Muhammad Ali took a stance, right, because of the injustice that was taking place in this country. And as he said, the Viet Cong ain't never called me no you-know-what. Kyrie Irving isn't taking a stance. And for those that say, oh, he's taking a stance, he don't want to get vaccinated. He said out of his own mouth, I have nothing against the vaccination. So what are you taking a stance on? Thank you. What, what are you, what are you, like, you can't tell me I have nothing against the vax. I just don't want to get vaccinated. All right. So then you're not taking a stance. That's just a personal choice to not take the, the vaccination. Yes. That is not a stance. That So he's not standing up for anything. And to say, I want to be the voice of the voiceless. Okay. But by saying that, you're also saying you don't want to be a voice for the vulnerable. Because there are a lot of people who can't afford to be around you. If you don't, if you're not vaccinated, because what about that team employee that probably has a sick mother or father at home and they can't run the risk of contracting the virus? Right. So, again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but let's not say he's taking a stance. He is not taking a stance. He's personally choosing to not take the vaccine. A stance would be this is how I feel about it. And that's why I'm totally against it. He has provided no evidence as to why he's against the vaccine at no point. At no point in any time that a microphone has been put in front of him, he has yet to provide us with one reason why he does not want to take the vaccine. On the flip side, I will give Jonathan Isaac credit. I've been saying it for a long time. Jonathan Isaac did his research, very educated, articulated articulated it beautifully. I can't even articulate it. Look at me. I'm, I'm talking ish. But he articulated it beautifully when he said, I had the virus. My body produced um um, my, my body fought it off and, and produced the antibodies for, against it. And speaking with my doctor, if I were to take the vaccine, I could then damage the antibodies that my body's already produced. So I completely understood where he's coming from. I had the virus. My body was able to fight it off and produce antibodies. And now I'm good. And I don't want to inject something else in my body that now would mess with those antibodies that I've already produced. Yeah. But Kyrie is, all Kyrie has said is this is a private matter. I don't want to talk about it. I have nothing against the vaccine. I just don't want to take it. Oh, by the way, don't tell me this is a private matter and not say it isn't. It's it's his choice. But you can't use the excuse that it's a private matter when every time you've had an injury, 
we've known about the surgery and the doctors performed it. Yeah. So if those weren't private matters, you getting a vaccine isn't far off from those things either. And how could you be taking a stance if you're trying to keep it private? Like the two, the two don't go together. You can't take a stance, but you want to keep things private. And if you're taking a stance, a stance would also have to be, that means you're telling people that they shouldn't take the vaccine. And that's not what you're doing. Cause it's, it, it's either you, you're four people taking the vaccine or you're not. That That's the two stances. Either I'm saying, yes, you should take the vaccine or I'm saying, no, no, you should not take the vaccine. There's not a, there's not an in-between thing here. It can't be just, oh, I don't, you know, I'm cool with the vaccine. I'm just don't want to take it. Cause that's not a, you're not taking a stance then. Doesn't need again, like you said, you're just making a personal decision of of of, 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 of you not taking the, the the vaccine for whatever reason is, and that's okay, because we're all we're we're all in grown individuals, and we are allowed to make decisions for ourselves. But don't sit up here and act like you know you're taking this whole big <laughs> stance, and and and, and 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 you're on, you know, not Kyrie saying that, but you know, for the people that try to make the comparisons to to Muhammad Ali no because one you're not being forced to take the vaccine Kyrie we got to be clear he's not being forced to take the vaccine now if he wants to play basketball professionally in New York in New York City yes he has to be vaccinated but he is not being mandated he could have easily said okay look I'm not going to be vaccinated you know, I don't want to miss these games. Can you guys just trade me? No, because he he'll retire. Well, so. yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. But to go back, that's what it's like. You know, well, what are we doing here then? Because again, you're not being forced to, to take the vaccine. So you know, it's again, it still wouldn't even be the equivalent to average Joe who might work at a hospital and has to be and is made. That's being you know. Those people don't have a choice. They have to be mandated to work at the Barclay Center or Madison Square Garden. You have to be vaccinated to work at these restaurants. <coughs> Excuse me. You have to be vaccinated. They don't have a choice in the matter. That's different. You have a choice in the matter. Again, and, I, and that's why I said earlier, it's unfortunate that you play for a team that's in New York City, or if you play for a team that's in San Francisco, it's unfortunate that those are the teams you play for. But even those teams, nobody in the in, in, in the Brooklyn Nets organization or in the NBA is mandating anyone to get a vaccine. You just make that choice, and, and that's your choice. You, you're welcome to make that choice, but your choice also comes with the consequence of you can't play home games because Adam Silver does not have the authority to say, you know what, no, Kyrie, you're going to still play at the Barclays Center and play all your home games. He can't do that. Sorry. Right. He don't right. have that power. And, yeah. and you it, can't it go to happen. the governor and ask him, or excuse me, ask her rather, excuse me, because I, I met the governor. She's actually she's actually dope, the new governor. But uh, you can't go and say, oh, could you make an exception for, for, for Kyrie Irving? Because you'd look, first of all, that would just be crazy in itself. To say we're gonna make a we're gonna make an exception just for Kyrie Irving to play basketball in New York City and all these other people in New York City that that have to either lose their job or be forced to take a, take the vaccine whether they want to or not y'all gotta y'all gotta stick with the program. Well, and and, and to the Kyrie supporters, the extreme Kyrie supporters, the extremists, yeah. not you know, because we I are Kyrie supporters sure. as well. Right, we are Kyrie supporters, clear. but you have the extremists. I'm gonna give you a prime example of what you were just saying, right? So Jay Will, 
Jay Williams on ESPN, made a statement a few weeks ago that he could see, right, because Joe Stye, who's the owner of the Nets, has close, politi- has close political ties to uh, a, a current gentleman that's running for borough president. And he could see Joe Psy putting up a lot of money and being fully invested in the campaign to get this man elected with the hopes that that man then would lift the restrictions at a Barclays Center, right? There's an actual quote. Mm-hmm. But then Jay Will got mad at other opinionists on ESPN for saying that Kyrie was selfish and that what he's doing, his explanation was one of the stupidest that they had ever heard. And now Jay Will's coming to the defense of Kyrie, like, oh, you do whatever you want. But I'm like, but hold on. You really thought that there could be a political agenda behind this. You didn't, you didn't see how crazy that sounded. But you're mad at other people for saying this sounds stupid, that he would, quote unquote, sit out be, to be a voice of the voiceless. Like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you guys are taking these angles that are so far-fetched, the conspiracy angle, the political angle. Bro, if he want to play basketball, just accept the trade. He could play any way he want, as long as it's not New York or San Francisco. Yeah, and you don't have to get vaccinated. And you don't have to get vaccinated. That, that's but I guess that's, that's... I, do, I will say this, though. I did have a problem with the rule where if you're unvaccinated, you can go on the road to one of these arenas and, and play. I, I, that I have a problem that, with because it doesn't, I, I, it doesn't make yes. sense. I, I don't understand that. Uh, Bradley Bill is a prime example of that because Bradley Bill was in the garden the other night with the Wiz. I don't understand that at all. I don't I don't understand how they even came to that reasoning. Yeah. I don't know if that was something from the I'm assuming that's more from the players association. And I, I still don't understand it, it doesn't because there are going to be so many restrictions on that player hitting the city. Because as as we've heard in the same thing in the NFL, like when you're traveling to a new city, there are certain restrictions for the unvaccinated players. And I, I just don't even understand how that comes into play with actually showing up to the arena. Like if according to the NBA standards, if you're unvaccinated and you travel, let's say, from one city to the next, you're supposed to kind of be on a lockdown for a certain amount of time before you can actually enter the arena. Yeah. So let's say Bradley Bill and them play in D.C. on Saturday night and then got a one o'clock game at the Garden or at the Barclays Center. Is he eligible to play because he was supposed Right, he was supposed to be on lockdown for a certain amount of time. So is he eligible to play that afternoon game the next day? Like that that part I don't get, but I'm assuming that's more on the players association side. Yeah. Um, but again, but I didn't want to I didn't want to say that. I just wanted to say that I that I, I, I wasn't cool with that. I didn't, I didn't think that made sense for the league. Dude, I think it's if 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 you're going to say we can't play here as home team, if we're not vaccinated, then it should be all the way across the board. No NBA player that is not vaccinated can enter the Barclays Center, Madison Square Garden. Um, I forget the name of the of the Warriors Arena um, out in San Fran, but it just it should be across the board. If you're not vaccinated, you can't enter those buildings because if if Bradley Bill came to New York and just wanted to watch the game, he couldn't go watch the game. He couldn't go. He couldn't go watch the next play. He couldn't go watch the next play. He couldn't go watch Golden State play. But he's going to be allowed to go inside the building and play basketball if he's if he's the road team. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, th- that's gonna that's gonna be a problem all year. Like I said, because there are certain there are certain uh, mandates that they do have in place for those players, and I just don't know how that's gonna work um, when guys 
guys are playing back to back. So when they got to play a, you know, a afternoon game after a night game, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but let, let's keep it moving, man, because we spent a lot of time on Kyrie there and John Gruden, of course. Um, obviously, like I said, the season starts tomorrow. We got Zion, who's going to miss the start of the season with another injury. He not just good. can't stay healthy, man. It, it, it's good. becoming an issue for him. Uh, we got to shout out Candace Parker mm-hmm. going back home, bringing a chip to Chicago as they beat Phoenix yesterday, 3-1 in the best out of five series. She was very emotional after the game. She is one of the go to the game, man. So kudos to her. Oh, and uh, don't forget the uh, first uh, female to grace the cover of NBA 2K this year as well. Put some respect on Candace Parker's name, please. Congratulations yes, to, to 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 you! Congratulations to Chicago because th- this 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 might be the only uh, basketball championship that Chicago gets <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> so it may shot. it may be a little bit it may be a little bit before they get another one over there. But exactly. definitely kudos to her to go for going back home and bringing that championship home, man. Uh, a little NBA, a little MLB talk before we wrap up. We're obviously at the LCS stage. Uh, National League, the Braves have had back-to-back walk-off wins. They're up 2-0 on the Dodgers, but that series does shift to L.A. now. The Dodgers are looking to try to get back into it. The Red Sox and Astros tied 1-1 coming into tonight. I got the game on in the background. The Red Sox are up right now 6-0. They also made history. They're the first team with three grand slams in one series. Uh, Tripp, I know the series is 1-1 and we know the score, but who did you have winning this series before it started? First of all, I don't ever pick the Red Sox to win any series, and that's just my Yankee bias. I would never well, you, pick the you Red were Sox caught between a rock and a hard. Yeah, place. but if I'm just, but if I'm, <laughs> if I'm have to use go by my journalistic integrity, and you want me to, just, to pick a winner going into the series, you know, I kind of did pick the, the the Red Sox to win this series as much as I'm rooting against them. But as long as they lose it all at the in the end, I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. But I gotta be, you know, I, I gotta be honest and be and be fair and be unbiased as a journalist. So yeah, I did pick the Red Sox to win the series. I I did. Uh, I, I was rooting for the Astros. I'm still rooting for the Astros to win. Um, I, I like their squad. I, I love Dusty Baker. I would like to see Dusty Baker get yes. a World Series. He he, he should have got one in San Fran years ago. So I would love to see him get one there. But I I will admit the Red Sox do seem like a team of destiny. Um, Beating the Yankees and then beating that Tampa Bay team that was the best team in baseball for most of the year. Yeah. They do kind of seem like a team of destiny, man. I just hope Houston is not banging on the trash can. Well, they, the on way the they down, the way they down, they need to start banging on some trash cans <laughs> to get back in this series. They might um, have to. And uh, just a boxing recap. Uh, we had given the, the initial uh, predictions of what we thought was going to happen in Wilder Fury 3. Mm-hmm. It became a classic ultimately ending with the uh, knockout in the 11th round by Tyson Fury over Deontay Wilder. News came out, though, that Deontay Wilder did break his right hand in the sixth round of that fight. Does that change anything for you in the way that fight played out? I, it doesn't really change anything for me, um, but I, I did notice that something was wrong during the fight because he kept adjusting his glove, and I was wondering what happened. Um, I mean, is it is it possible that if he doesn't break his hand – Maybe he does get that shot off because he did. He the round that he knocked uh, Tyson Fury down twice was before was right before that. So it was in the fourth round. Yeah, so it is possible just because Deontay Wilder does have that one punch knockout power that if he doesn't break his hand, you know things things uh, end differently. But 
I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from you know Tyson Fury's win, especially now that it's been a second time around and he's done it. You know, I, I still give uh, you know much praise to Deontay Wilder when you when you talk about the heart of a champion, the heart of a lion. That is Deontay Wilder. There's no quitting Deontay Wilder. So I do want to give him props for that, but I don't want to take away from what Tyson Fury accomplished. He was the better man, uh, you know, in this fight. So I don't want to take away from that. But yeah, there's a, there was a, there was a slim chance that he could have pulled the fight out if he doesn't break his hand. I don't think it changes anything. Um, you and I were were texting throughout the fight, and we spoke after the fight. I thought Deontay Wilder was already gassed by the fifth round. So I think he was he was kind of running on fumes. But granted, I give him all the credit in the world. He displayed so much heart in that fight. But we can't ignore what we've seen. And and through three fights, they fought a total of 30 rounds. Deontay Wilder knocked him down four times over the course of those three fights. Tyson Fury got up every time. Yeah. You know, and and Tyson Fury was just a better boxer. That's that's no disrespect to Deontay Wilder. I mean, he may be the second best heavyweight of his era. He just went up against a bigger man who was more skilled than him. And had a hell of a chin, man. Like I said, he knocked him down four times, man. Like he took some of Wilder's best shots and kept coming up. So and there was a I don't think it would have changed anything. There was yeah. a difference when Tyson Fury knocked Wilder down and when Wilder knocked Tyson Fury down. And granted, right. he is a much bigger man who outweighs Deontay by 30, 40 pounds. But there was just a huge difference in the knockdowns. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Tyson Fury was was just jumping back up. Deontay Wilder was wobbly. He was off balance when he got back up. You know, to be honest, you know, I, I didn't think it was it, it was going to get that late anyway. I mean, especially after the early knockdown of Wilder, but then Wilder King did come back. Um, but you know, listen, when I when I watch it again for a fourth time, yeah, I guess I'd watch it if there was like if there was something meaningful on the line. But I mean, with the trilogy, I think. They pretty much, we pretty much saw what we were gonna see. Yeah, I, I think that the the book is closed on that. Um, my my overwhelming takeaway from it, and I talked about this <coughs> on another pod as well, it was that I don't think we're ever gonna see unified division, uh, a heavyweight division unified. Um, Tyson Fury is just size wise, he's massive, man. You look at uh, Alexander Usyk, who beat Anthony Joshua. Usyk was two hundred and eighteen pounds. That was the heaviest he had ever fought at. Yeah, that's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's too much of a weight difference. If that guy beats Joshua in a rematch, there's no way he's gonna fight Tyson Fury, knowing that Tyson Fury outweighs him by seventy pounds. Yeah, it's just not happening. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not happening, man. And and you know, you and I have both been critical of Anthony Joshua. I don't think Anthony Joshua wanted any parts of Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury. He yeah. ducked Wilder when Wilder was the champ. And he didn't seem too uh, upset when they called off the Fury fight. <laughs> he yeah. kind of is like, oh, okay, it's, it's cool. It's, it's straight. I'm good. So, <laughs> uh, oh, all right. No problem. Say less. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like when the, when the friend canceled the plans that you didn't want to go to anyway. Exactly. So and you're like, yes, because I didn't want to say I didn't want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't even dressed to go out yet. He wasn't even ready to go out, so he was good. So <laughs> I don't think he wanted any part of him. And, and Usyk is way too small, so I think I didn't even realize he was that. That's, yeah, that's the thing that sucks about, big... the, about the heavyweight division, which you know, maybe it it may be unfair, just because when you look at every other weight cat class, there's a there's a, a minimum and there's a maximum. But with the heavyweight division, like you said, if if he were to ever step in the ring 
with Tyson Fury. We're talking about a 70-pound weight difference. I felt bad for Deontay Wilder, and it's only about a 30, 35-pound weight difference. Yeah. But you're talking about 70? Yeah, That's and, and Usyk, Usyk is not the puncher that Wilder is. At all. So... Yeah, now that eliminates that shot. You're not going to outbox him. Because, again, that's what makes Fury so unique is that he's that big and can box. Yeah. Most guys that big just looking to slug it out and they get gassed out. He can go to 12 rounds if you want to box, and he also has some power. So I don't know if, the, you know, again, I think the chapter, that, that book is closed on a, on, a, on a full fight. But you never know. You know, two years from now, if Deontay Wilder knocks out a couple guys and nobody's willing to take on Tyson Fury, Maybe they do it for another payday and possibly give give Wilder a shot to to win a belt back. But we got to see, man. Um, before we go, Trip, you want to shout out the sponsors? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. A uh, big shout out to Petro Home Services. Uh, shout out to the Rosado Firm. Shout out to Soundview Liquors, and of course, shout out to Kmart. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on all our social media: Twitter, Instagram at Real Fan Talk, Facebook.com forward slash Real Fans Real Talk. Subscribe to that YouTube channel as well, youtube.com forward slash for the fans productions. And do not worry if you're not in New York City on Thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. You can still watch Real Fans Real Talk from anywhere in the world. Just go to realfansrealtalk.com right there on the homepage. Click that red button and you can watch from anywhere in the world. And I hope y'all already subscribed to the podcast as well because you got the Sanchez Show podcast. You got the Real Fans Real Talk podcast. And then, you know, I, I, like, I like to say this part for the grown and sexy crew that, 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 that follow us. <laughs> you guys shooting the shit with our brother Sean Fontaine as well. So make sure you guys are subscribed to all of all of those podcasts. Um, oh, and uh, we are actually going to drop the uh, the our NASCAR footage on this week's show as well. So immediately after this, you guys can tune in. Big shout out to uh, to Cody Price, to Cody Price who came on the show. He's he's, he's our, our NASCAR aficionado uh, now, and uh, he helped us. We we had we had to throw a little bit of of praise to uh, uh, Bubba Wallace uh, who won at Talladega two weeks ago, and uh, Team uh, Two Three Eleven, which is uh, MJ and uh, Denny Hamlin. Um, as well So big shout out to Cody Price That's going to drop And um, also shout out to another uh, friend of the show um, Chrissy Bands Rapper out of Brooklyn She's performed on the show live She's uh, she's hosted for us at the Barclays Center At our 2K tournament She has a new video Be Mine That is out right now That we are actually going to premiere as well At the end of this show So big shout out to Chrissy Bands Yes sir Before we wrap up Just a quick update the Bills are up 13-7 in the second quarter on the Titans. The Red Sox are still up 6-0 on the Astros. With that being said, for myself and my main man, Trip Young, Sanchez Show, Real Fans, Real Talk, we out of here. Peace. Motherfucker, this is your African King's coming, Michael Blackson. You're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Get real with it, my son. Real fans, real talk, we as real as you thought.